Good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. We've got some more folks that are going to be coming in in the next few minutes. We're glad that you chose to join us for worship today. For all of you joining us online, thank you for clicking on it. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Glad to have you. I need to share some things uh, with the folks here in the room with us, uh, kind of some housekeeping uh, information for you guys. First of all, as of right now, we are, um, we are still not mandating uh, masks during our worship service, but you are welcome to wear them if you want to. I know some of you are, and you're welcome to do that. That's no problem. Uh, just wanted you to be aware of that ahead of time. Um, some other things. When we take communion today, we'll have uh, some thoughts and a prayer for our communion, and then uh, when it's time for us to take communion together, there should be a communion cup on your chair. And uh, when it's time to take communion, we'll just peel off the first lid and get the wafer and then peel off the second lid and drink the juice, and that's how we'll take communion together. So I want you to be aware of that. Um, today, we're, we're kind of bringing back something that we used to have uh, pre-COVID uh, at Flagstone, and that is our, our bulletins, our announcement sheets, our information sheets. And so there should be one of these on probably every other chair uh, on the rows. And um, just got you know some information about things going on with our church family this week, some things for you to be aware of. We prefer, at least for now, uh, one per family. That's why we kind of spread them out a little bit. Uh, so, you know, we wanted you to be aware of that. There's a place on the back where you can take some ner- sermon notes if you want to, because there's going to be a lot of good stuff to take sermon notes on today, let me tell you. So you want to make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, but also a big feature that we wanted to show you this morning, up in the uh, top left corner is a, is a QR code. And if you would scan that with your phone, that's how we're going to... Um, I guess take attendance. That's how we're going to know that you're here today. And it'll just bring up a form that you can submit on your phone. It'll take probably 30 seconds, maybe, uh, for you to enter your information. We appreciate you taking the time to do that this morning, if you would, especially if you're a guest with us today. If this is one of your first times with us, we'd love for you to click on this code and, and fill out your contact information for us. We're not going to bombard you with a bunch of uh, mail and emails. We're not going to come knocking on your door. We just want to know you're here. and want to be able to say hello to you and thank you for coming. So why don't you be aware of that. If everybody would take the time to do that right now, it won't take very long. Uh, we appreciate you doing that this morning. Um, this morning is also a special uh, time for our church family. This is our, what we call our back to school Sunday. And so uh, at the end of our worship time today, we're going to introduce you to uh, our upcoming uh, first graders uh, who are going to be starting first grade at school this year. And what we like to do with this church family is, is bless them with a brand new Bible. Uh, and we think, you know, first grade is when they really start working on their reading. And what better thing to work on reading uh, than the Word of God. And so we're going to hand out Bibles to our first graders this morning uh, at the end of our worship time. And then we're going to have all of our school kids, um, elementary, through, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade, um, come up on stage. Uh, don't have to do anything. Just come up here and look good. That's not that hard to do, right? Um, and uh, we're just going to pray over all of our students and, and ask God to bless them this year. And, and we would love for any of our guests here this morning, if you want to send your kids up uh, to be a part of that, we would welcome that as well. And then, after our worship time today, we have a meal plan. We'd love for you to stay and eat lunch with us. we got uh, inflatable games for the kids to jump around on. we got plenty of food for everybody to have. So whatever your lunch plans were, uh, for today, cancel them. Plan to join us. If you're going to meet somebody else, text them right now. Say, hey, you're meeting me at Flagstone. We're going to eat lunch today. And just have a good time with us and, and celebrate. I know some of us 
uh, parents are like, celebrate going back to school. Woohoo! You know, maybe dreading it a little bit on the kids' part. But uh, this is our back to school Sunday, and we're excited to be celebrating that with our church family and with our guests today. So, why don't you be aware of all those things? I need to get all that out of the way before we jump into our worship time today. And that really is one of the main reasons why we're here this morning is to worship God. We're going to spend time singing praises to God today, we're going to spend time praying to Him. Uh, we're going to spend time in His Word and allow Him to speak to us. And um, we're going to spend time encouraging each other as we worship together. So um, whatever things you got to get done before school starts tomorrow, whatever, whatever uh, items are on your to-do list for the rest of the day today, maybe you can put those things on hold and maybe even push them out of your mind for a little bit this morning while we just enjoy being here together, being together uh, online, and spending time worshiping uh, together. So let's plan to do that. Let's get our hearts and our minds ready to worship. I'm going to uh, lead us in prayer, ask God to bless our time of worship, and then our praise team is going to lead us together in songs. Let's pray together. Father God, thanks so much for today. Thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for giving us a reason to worship you, God, because we have experienced grace uh, because of your son Jesus. We know what it's like to be loved and be accepted by an amazing Father and we thank you for that. And so I pray that that's what comes through our worship today. Just our thankfulness and our gratitude for, uh, for what you've done for us and for being who you are. God, I know that there are people here who are, who are stressed about a variety of different things. And maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's a fear of, of what's going on with COVID. Maybe there's things going on in their jobs. Maybe there's some family issues that they're dealing with or something going on in a dating relationship. Maybe even just their own personal addictions and fears and worries. God, we've, we, we've got people who walked in these doors carrying heavy burdens today. And I pray that you would help them as we worship together, help those folks to lay those things down, to give them to you, to offer them to you, and, and trust that you are willing to take those things away from them. And I pray that that happens during our worship together this morning. Change our hearts if they need to be changed. Encourage us however we need to be strengthened and encouraged. God, just, just move through this place as we worship you today. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's get on our feet. Morning, Let's get on our feet. Let's worship. Everybody up on your feet. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing out to God. Let the people shout before his throne. Hallelujah. Sing out Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Come on, everybody. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. From the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea. Oh, no, no, no. 
I see the gentleness of my Lord. 
sermon? No? Oh, sorry. Communion. Sorry. Is communion now? Sit back down for communion. Jeez, I thought I'd mess something up right there. I don't know what that was. Uh, good morning. You guys aren't kidding about this light. I should have brought sunglasses or something. But uh, so like all the students that you're going to see up here at the end of service, uh, I'm about to be a senior in college. And if there's one thing I've come to appreciate, it's the little things in life, things like a full tank of gas and uh, cheap food. I have all the fast food apps. I can tell you their best deals. Dollar large pride McDonald's still is a good steal. So anyways, but I started thinking about the things I appreciate now and how that'll change throughout my life. And uh, I made a little list of what I think and what I've seen people appreciate in different seasons of life. And so it's a quick little list. I'll share it with you. But uh, for your 20s and 30s, I said maybe you appreciate hanging out with friends or if you have kids, spending time with your kids or spending a little time away from your kids. That's what babysitters are for. And uh, for your 40s and 50s, I said maybe you appreciate watching your kids grow up, become independent, and do great things in life. Or, you know, <clears throat> if you're like my dad, maybe you appreciate your reading glasses. Well, you don't have to do this all the time. <laughs> He's turning 50 in November. I had to say something. So. And then in your 60s and 70s, maybe you appreciate, you know, the intimacy of your marriage and knowing someone for that long and sharing that love and time with them. Or you maybe appreciate your grandkids giving you a call every now and then. And the reason I share that list with you guys is because I started thinking about the things that we appreciate in a church. The top things that come to my mind are, you know, a sense of community, uh, a good preacher. We got that taken care of. MVP Marshall, most valuable preacher. Uh, singing, you know, you can always count on Stephen Bowman to wake you up early in the morning. <laughs> but uh, no one ever really thinks of communion as one of the top things they appreciate in a church. And I don't really think Jesus intended it to be the most important thing in church, but I think he did want it to be an important part of it. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that he set aside time in his last few hours here on earth to spend time with his disciples communing together. And uh, Back then, he told them, the bread and the cup, these represent my body and my blood, and do this in remembrance of me. And uh, I think those are important symbols. And I think that when we take this, we can remember and appreciate what he did for us and his sacrifice. And because he died for us, we can experience a relationship with him every day, and we get to live with the hope that one day we get to see him in heaven and be reunited with him. So, will you pray for me, or pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for this day. I uh, thank you for bringing everyone here today. Lord, I know there's a reason everyone's in this building. And uh, thank you for your sacrifice, God. Please help us to always remember you and to know that you're with us throughout every season of life that we go through, Lord. Please bless, uh, bless this bread and this cup, Lord. And it's in your sins name we pray. Amen.
Okay. You can stand up now for the song before the sermon. You know, I think in my younger age, Christy and I, Brown, we worked together for a long time. So we, we did a little test with our staff. Who is very lineal, linear and who is very global? Linear, they like it like this, black and white. And I'm very global. Christy was very global. And in my old age, and I'm getting very linear. Because on my notes, it goes, it doesn't say communion in between the two. <laughs> but there is a space. So, Marshall, I've become very linear. So you're going to have to spell that out for me next time. All right, here we go. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray.
Well, I'll be honest with you. I got a lot on my mind to share this morning, a lot of my heart to share, and I don't want to take away too much time from celebrating our school kids and um, getting to our inflatable games and food. So I'm going to move as fast as I can this morning. But um, just some things that I feel like God's put on my heart to share with you today. And I want to start off by telling you uh, uh, just a quick story. Um, it be a little over 20 years ago that uh, Christy and I were part of a group a church group that went uh, skiing um, at um, Copper Ski Resort in Colorado. And uh, Christy was pregnant at the time with our son Griffin. Uh, Mary Jo was pregnant at the time with their son uh, Sawyer. And so they were on this trip and hadn't done a whole lot of skiing because they were far enough along their pregnancy that doctors were like, you probably shouldn't ski. Except for this one day when they were like, we're going to go skiing. Uh, Mary Jo and Christy both. Do you remember this? Yeah, so... Um, you know, couldn't talk them out of it, so we go, we go skiing. We're going on the easy stuff, you know, easy greens and, and not doing anything really difficult. And then somebody, I don't know who it was, but there's a whole group of us that are all skiing together. And somebody said, well, let's go up to the top of the mountain uh, because way up there, there's some easy stuff up there too. And we kind of work, you know, have a longer ski run, work our way down. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want to go all the way up to the top of the mountain. Uh, first of all, it's a long way up there, and it may be harder once we get up there, and I don't want to work that hard. Uh, and then the second thing was, you know, we got these pregnant women with us. I don't want anything to happen, but, you know, other voices prevailed. I didn't say anything. We all get on the lift, and we're heading up to uh, the top of this mountain, to this, this, what they call a bowl up on top of the mountain. And so uh, we get up there, and the lift, um, that particular ski lift, had a little bit of a, of a gap between... Usually when you're getting off a ski lift, you've never been skiing before, your skis, when you get up to the top of the lift, are, are hitting snow, and you basically just kind of stand up and ski off, off this chair that you've been sitting on. Well, this particular lift had a little bit of a gap between kind of where the snow was built up and where you were getting off, and so you kind of had to almost jump off the seat and land and, and, and ski off, uh, but you didn't realize that until you got right up there, and so um, uh, Christy and I, and uh, I think our friend um, Greg, we were all sitting on the lift, and I remember it was Mary Jo. I'm not sure who else you were with, Mary Jo, but y'all were in the chair in front of us, and we see Mary Jo almost fall uh, when she was getting off the ski lift, and we thought, well, that crazy Mary Jo. just can't even get off the ski lift, and then, and then we come up, and, and then you realize, oh, my goodness, and we, and we try to leap off of here, and I'm not going to say that it was my fault, but it might have, you know, I'm throwing elbows probably, and um, I may have knocked Christy off balance a little bit, and she falls on her stomach and immediately starts having, like, just some real quick contractions. Now, not that she's going into labor, but I think Griffin inside of her was like, what in the world just happened? Stop doing that, whatever, you know. And so now we're panicking a little bit, and, you know, we kind of, you know, I mean, we're still in skis and everything, so kind of scoot off to the side, and, we, and everything calms down, and, and she's fine, and I'm just, I'm, I'm fuming. I'm not mad at her. I'm just, I'm just mad in general. I just, you know, and, and there's about 10 of us that are all skiing together, and everybody's like, everybody good? Everybody good? Let's start skiing down. And everybody's ah, oh, we're having fun skiing down. And I'm just, ugh. I had the worst look on my face. There was a lady that was with us that skied down in front of us and was going to take pictures of all of us coming down uh, the mountain. And the picture of me, I've got the biggest scowl on my face. Everybody else is like, ah, look at the camera. And I'm like, ugh. I'm just, I'm just so frustrated. And the thing was, I didn't want to go up there. And that was my thought. That's what I even told my friend Greg that. I didn't want to come up here in the first place. I just, I didn't want to do that. 
But I didn't say anything. I didn't want to be a complainer. I didn't want to, I didn't want to you know, be the, the naysayer or whatever you want to call it. I, I didn't really want people to know that I didn't want to come up, and I didn't want to do it. And everybody else wanted to do it, and I was like, okay, well, I will too. But I, I, it was never something that I really wanted to do. Now, by the way, everything turned out fine. We had a good rest of the ski trip. Griffin turned out okay. Uh, as far as we know to this point, 20 years in, he seems to be fine. So we're all good. That's the happy ending of that story. But, uh, but I want you to think about times where there was something that you were being asked to do, called to do, led to do, maybe even made to do, and you just didn't want to do it. And it's not that you didn't have the ability to do it. And it's not that you didn't know how to do it. You just didn't want to. And that can happen in any number of situations in our lives. Maybe it's, maybe it's on the job. There's things that we have to do on our jobs that are just part of the job requirement that it, it's not fun. I'm not looking forward to it. My manager's telling me to do this. And, and maybe I even realize, man, this isn't even going to work, but I'm going to have to do it because somebody above me is telling me I have to do it. But in our minds, we're like, I don't want to do this. And I know, I, I guarantee you, there's going to be those kind of thoughts coming through our students' heads this week when they go back to school. There's going to be stuff that their teacher's going to say, you know, here's your assignment, you need to do this. And I guarantee you, first thought for a lot of them is going to be, I don't want to. And they might actually verbalize that. That wouldn't be very respectful, so don't do that. But they might actually verbalize that and say, I don't want to do this. I mean, we do that with chores at home, too. And we blame when our kids, our kids, you know, we tell them to do something. They're like, I don't want to. But you know what? Sometimes I don't want to do chores either. And sometimes I might come up with, you know, maybe an excuse for, uh, you know, some, some um, new dads will sometimes uh, fake being asleep so that they don't have to be the one to get up with, with the baby in the middle of the night. Did I just out some of you? I'm sorry if I did that. I, I just, because why? I don't want to. I don't want to get up. And, th- and there's, there's things that happen in our friendships, our relationships. There's, there's I mean, there's stuff that, that parents want their kids to do and, and they don't want them to do it. We have this, this mentality sometimes where we just don't want to do whatever it is we're being asked to do, whatever it is we're being called to do. And I want to be thinking about those times we continue to think about this, this concept of, of unfiltered statements, unfiltered approaches to God. We started talking about this a couple weeks ago, looking at times in Scripture where people, uh, people of God have really honest things to say to God. And how sometimes we get a, a little bit worried, like maybe I shouldn't say what's really on my heart to God. Maybe I shouldn't say the words that are really in my mind because that seems irreverent. I, I'm not sure if I have permission to say those things or to even think those things. And, and to recognize that God wants honesty, wants genuineness, he wants sincerity from his people, from his followers. And that we are called to have unfiltered approaches to him. And, and, and we have to be careful sometimes about, you know, being irreverent, about, about approaching God, I guess, uh, you know, in, in a reverent way, recognizing he's our father, recognizing he's our God. But, but, man, God allows, God encourages his people to be honest with him. And we may not always like his response back, but he invites us to be genuine and to be real and be honest with him. And we've been looking at, at a couple of examples in Scripture that we're going to do that again today. We're going to look at some honest responses, some unfiltered approaches that some people had um, in Scripture, specifically today in reference to God's will and God's direction and God's leading uh, in their lives, things that God was calling them to do that they just didn't want to do, and how they approached that, how they kind of had that conversation with God. Now, I want to, I want to kind of interrupt myself for just a minute. About a month ago, we were going through uh, 
we're going through a series of goats, the greatest of all time. And we talked about the greatest animal whisperer of all time. Does anybody happen to remember off the top of your head who that was? Starts with a B, ends in Alam. Balaam, very good. All right. So Balaam, greatest animal whisperer of all time. We talked about that story. We talked about how Balaam had trouble seeing God's direction, seeing God's will, and seeing God's purpose in his life, okay? So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about God's will today because we just talked about that about a month ago. If you missed that, if you missed that discussion and what we had to say about that, I would really encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel and find that series. It's it's our GOAT series, the greatest animal whisperer of all time, and and, uh, find out what we had to say about God's will and God's purpose. But to kind of give you some of the highlights of that, We talked about how we believe um, that God has a will and a purpose for every single person that he's created. That God's will and God's purpose for us to, we're creating his image, we're supposed to reflect him in everything that we do. We're supposed to be like him, look like him, talk like him, do the things that God would do if he was here on this earth. We talked about God's will and God's purpose for every single person to to be saved. To be safe from their sins that all of us at some point have walked away from the image that God designed us to be and the the purpose that God has for our lives. And we've made mistakes and we've fallen short. And God sent Jesus to to live in this earth to show us not only how to live, but he sent him to die for us. As we just celebrated a few minutes ago with our communion. And he he sent him to die a horrible death on the cross. And not just die a physical death, but experience and, and to take on our sin and to pay that price for us. And to rise again from the grave and, and give us a hope of life. And God wants us all to experience that. He wants you to experience that. He wants me to experience that. He wants our entire community to experience that. Our entire country, this entire world. He wants people to be saved. And when we become children of God, when we believe in that, we trust in that, we give our lives to Jesus and we're saved by his blood, what what God's purpose is from that point on is for us to go do good stuff. Ephesians chapter 2 says that God wants us to, to be good, to go do good things, go serve other people. That's our purpose. That's his will for us, for all of us. Now, we also talked about how God has specific purposes for specific people. That sometimes there's certain things that he calls me to do that may be different than what he calls you to do. A specific action, a specific place to go, a specific person to interact with, a specific thing to do. That God leads us through those things. And, and sometimes we, we discover his will through his word. And sometimes it's through circumstances that we're experiencing in our lives. And sometimes it's through just the leading of his spirit. And maybe, maybe we think it's a gut feeling or it's our conscience. And it's really God through his spirit in us saying, this is the direction that I need you to go. This is what I need you to do. But I believe that there are things that God calls that God calls me to do that are going to make my life better. Or they're going to put me in a position to bless somebody else. To make somebody else's life better. And there are things that he calls me to say. And there's, and there's things sometimes that he calls me away from. Because he doesn't want me to go that direction. And I might think things just aren't working out. Circumstances are just kind of against me. It may actually be God going, no, I want to put something in your way. So you don't go that direction because I want you to go this way. Does that make sense? There's an overall will that, that I believe God has for all people. And there's specific directions and purposes that he has for each one of our lives. God's will is always good, and it's always beneficial, and it's not always what I want to do. It's not always what I want. And I'll be honest with you, this, uh, for me personally, there are times when I don't listen to God's voice. 
there are times when I don't choose his will, when I don't like what he's calling me to or who he's calling me to go uh, interact with. And it's not that I, that I want to be flat out disobedient. It's not that I want to be, you know, rebellious. It's not that I'm trying to be arrogant and say, you know, I've got this figured out. I don't need you. It's just, I'm just being honest. I just don't want to do what it is that God's calling me to do. And maybe some of you struggle with the same thing. And it's not all the time. I mean, sometimes I see where God's leading. I'm like, yeah, that's the direction I want to go too. But there's just those times I'm like, hmm, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to go up to the top of the mountain. I don't, I don't want to do, I, I don't want to go the direction that you're leading. And for some of us, maybe it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to volunteer for that particular ministry. There's other people that can sign up for that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to change a habit. I'm, I'm used to who I am and I'm used to what I do and it's going to be an awful lot of work and, and uh, uh, kind of difficult for me to change that and I'm set in my ways and I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't, want to, I don't want to do something different in my finances. Yeah, I'm in a lot of debt, but I'll get out of it, and I just want to keep spending what I've been spending. I don't want to go to therapy. People with problems go to therapy. I don't have problems. Okay, I got problems, but I, I'll handle it. I don't need help. I don't need a counselor. I don't want to forgive that person. I mean, God can forgive him, but I don't have to. Don't put it on my heart to forgive them. Don't put it on my heart to let it, let it go because I'm not going to let it go. I'm still angry about it. I'm still holding on to it. I, I don't, I'm uncomfortable sharing my story. Yeah, God has done some amazing things in my life, and that person might actually benefit from hearing some of those things, but that's awkward and weird, and we have company policies about that, and I'm just not going to do that. Do you ever have a situation like this where God is leading you in a certain direction, God's calling you to something. You know in your heart this is what God is calling me to, and yet, uh, God, I just, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. And we can, we can make excuses, and we could, we could call it a whole bunch of other things. We can rationalize it any other way they want to, but when it comes right down to it, what we are saying is, God, I don't want to do what you are calling me to do. Am I allowed to feel that way? Am I allowed to say that? Maybe not at church on Sunday. Maybe I can say that on my own somewhere else. And what I want you to see is that there's multiple times in Scripture where, where God's people had those kind of statements. And maybe they didn't verbalize it. Maybe it was just their actions. But they basically told God, mm, this is not what I want to do. Let me give you a couple of examples very quickly. If you go to the book of Exodus, you find out about a guy named Moses. Moses was at one time going to be the prince of Egypt, and uh, he decided to walk away from that. He actually murdered someone and uh, went on the run, uh, you know, to a foreign country because he was wanted for murder. And he spends the next 40 years out in the middle of nowhere being a shepherd, watching a bunch of sheep. And God comes to him and says, okay, what I want you to do uh, is go back to Egypt where you used to live, and I want you, my people have been in slavery for 400 years, and I want you to be the one to lead them out. Yeah, I know there's powerful people in place. I know they're in slavery, and I know you don't have any experience in this, but I'm, gonna, I'm calling you to go get my people and bring them out of 400 years of slavery. And if you go through Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we're not going to spend 
all of our time there this morning, but I'll just, let, me tell you, let me show you the things that, that Moses said in response. God says, I want you, Moses, to go lead my people to freedom. And Moses says, ah, I don't think I'm really qualified. And God's response is, I'm the one who makes you qualified. So go, go do what I'm calling you to do. And Moses says, well, I, I, don't really, I, don't really have, I don't really have any authority. I don't have the authority to, to actually do what you're calling me to do. And God says, you tell them that I sent you. And Moses says, okay, well, but they're not going to listen. I mean, I'm going to tell them, hey, God wants to set you free, and they're going to tune me out. They're not even going to pay attention to what I'm saying. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you the ability to perform miracles. So they're going to pay attention. They're going to see what you're doing. They're going to know that I'm with you. I'm going to make it possible uh, for them to, to listen to you. And then Moses says, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really that good at talking. I mean, I spent the last 40 years talking to a bunch of sheep. I'm not a public speaker. And God says, okay, first of all, I'm the one that gave you your tongue. Second of all, I'm going to give you the words to say. And then I want you to see what Moses says in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 13. He quits with the excuses. He quits with all the reasons. He says this, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Moses looks at God and says, I don't want to do it. I've offered you every excuse that I can think of. You won't take my excuses, so let me be really blunt and really honest. I don't want to. You go over in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about the story of Jesus when he was here on this earth. In the book of Mark, in chapter 10, we find a story about a young man who comes to Jesus, a very wealthy young man. And in the Jewish culture of Jesus' day, if you were very wealthy, that means you were probably a really good person. God blessed you with wealth because of all the good things you were doing. And we find out that this guy, uh, you know, was, was a, a good guy. He's a good citizen. He's a good churchgoer. He knew his scriptures. He, he, he uh, probably donated to a lot of different things. I mean, he's a good guy. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I, I, I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything I need to do. I want to make sure that I'm checking all the boxes, that I'm going to get, you know, this, this eternal life, this life of the ages. And Jesus says, well, you know, go through the Bible, obey everything that's in there, obey all the rules. There's things that, that God calls you to, go do those things. And he says, I've done those things since I was a kid. And Jesus looks at him and he says, okay, well, there's, there's one thing. I don't have your heart. Your money does. So let's fix that. Go sell everything that you have. Go give it away. And then come follow me. Completely empty yourself of everything that you think is important in this world. And then come follow me. Mark chapter 10 verse 22 shows the man's reaction. At this the man's face fell. And he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. He walked away from Jesus. And without, without saying it out loud with words, his actions spoke loud and clear. Jesus, I don't want to do that. I will go to church. I will be a good person. I will obey all the rules. I will give, you know, percentages to the church and to, you know, good uh, charities and, and all those kinds of things. I'll be a nice guy. To give up everything, sell it all, and then come follow you, and not even know where my next meal is coming from, not even know, mm -mm, no, I don't want to do that. Go back to the Old Testament again, there's a guy named Jonah, y'all remember the story of Jonah? 
Jonah was a prophet of God. He gave, you know, God gave him messages to share with his people. He was in the nation of Israel. Israel at the time was being attacked by uh, another nation called the kingdom of Aram. The Arameans were coming into Israel all the time and, and just being ruthless and attacking them and taking their stuff and, and taking them prisoner and all sorts of things. And God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is the capital city of the Arameans. And I want you to go to them. I want you to say, hey, y'all need to knock it off. Y'all need to stop what you're doing. You need to repent. Otherwise, I'm going to destroy you. That's the message that I want you to give them. Here's Jonah's response in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3. It says that Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, if you don't have a map, Jonah's basically in Israel. Tarshish at, at, at that time was a city over in what is now southern Spain. Jonah's going as far away from where God is sending him as he possibly can. So God says, I want you to go here. Jonah says, I'm going over here. And again, without, without saying it, He's basically telling God, God, I don't want to do this. This doesn't, this doesn't fit in my plans. This isn't, this isn't what my agenda is. You want me to go talk to the enemy so that you can bless the enemy? I don't want to do that. Give me any message you want for our people, God. Give me any message you want me to share with the people that I like and that I get along with. But to go to those people over there and tell them something, I don't want to do that. And honestly, if you look at the end of, of Jonah, it's four chapters. If you get to chapter four, when Jonah actually does give this message to the people in Nineveh and they actually change, he even says to God, see, I told you I didn't want to do this because I knew you were going to let him off the hook. Here's just three quick examples. There's more in Scripture. Here's just three quick examples of guys who looked at God when God specifically said, here is what I want you to do. Here is where I want you to go. Here are the people that I want you to interact with. And their reaction in all three instances was, rather not. I don't want to do what it is you're calling me to do. My question this morning is, how many of us feel that way? And maybe we're not feeling that way in this moment right here. How many of us have felt that way before? Do we have those kind of thoughts? Do, you know, do we ever find ourselves saying, God, I'm sure you've got a plan. I'm sure you've got a purpose. But I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. I, and I may not say it. I may not pray that. But it's in my mind. It's in my heart. I don't want to go the direction you want me to go. And why is that? Why do, we, why, do we, why do we struggle with that? Why do we have those feelings? Let me give you some reasons real quick. Sometimes I don't want to do what God is calling me to do because, honestly, I don't think I can. I don't think I can do it. I don't think it's possible for me to do whatever it is that God is leading me to do. That's what Moses was struggling with. Moses is saying, I'm not qualified. I can't talk, make words good. Not good speaker, am I? I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And that may be what I'm struggling with too. I may look at things that God is calling me to and going, I I'm not qualified to do that. I haven't had the training that maybe somebody else has. I'm not talented enough. I'm not popular enough. I'm not smart enough. Last time I did that, it didn't go very well. I'm just not good enough. I know me. I know my habits. I know the things that I've done in the past, you, you need to find somebody else, God, because I don't think that I can do this. 
And whatever the reasons are that I might come up with, I've convinced myself or I've allowed other people in their messages to me about who I am to convince me that I can't do whatever it is that God's leading me to do. Or sometimes it's not that I can't do it. I just don't want to do it because it's going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be really uncomfortable. It's going to stretch me. It's going to, it might be a little awkward. It's going to be way, I have my bubble and my comfort zone and this is going to move beyond that. And that's what the rich man struggled with. He was okay with following God under his terms. He was okay with doing what God wanted to do as long as it was comfortable for him. It's comfortable for me to go to church. And it's comfortable for me to memorize scripture and to, and to, to be this good churchgoer. You're asking me to let go of the things that, that give me meaning and purpose and status and that make me feel safe and secure? I don't want to do that. That's going to be too uncomfortable. That's going to be too difficult. And folks, that may be the one thing that's, that's keeping me from doing what God is calling me and leading me to do. It's just, it's just going to be awkward and hard and difficult. And I don't want to do something awkward, hard, and difficult. It's not that I can't. It's just going to be uncomfortable. Or maybe I don't want to do it because, you know, I've got other plans. I've got things I want to accomplish. I've got my own agenda. I've got my own vision for how my life is supposed to go. And I'm sorry, God, but your plans don't fit into mine. They don't match up. And that was part of Jonah's problem. Jonah had, Jonah had it all figured out. I'm a prophet of God. God gives me a message, and I tell it to God's people, and they think that I'm a wonderful prophet, and we'll just keep, we'll just keep doing that. And he was living the life that he had planned to live. And then God comes up with, with a different plan, with something else. And it messed up Jonah's plans. You want me to go somewhere that I've never been. Not just that I've never been. You want me to go to the enemy and give them a message. And, and, and hopefully you'll end up blessing them because of it. That is not, that doesn't fit my plans, God. I've got this other direction. I've got this other path. So let's just stay with that. Matter of fact, God, why don't you just put your stamp of approval on what I've already got in mind to do? Anybody struggle with that? How often are our prayers? I, I don't want to pick on anybody. This is what I do. I ask God to bless what I've already decided. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. But I'll pray that prayer a whole lot more often than I'll pray, God, show me what you want me to do. Lead me your direction, even if it's not what I've got in mind. That's a harder prayer to pray. And when God gives us a direction to go that, that, that interferes with that, that, that is contrary to what I've already decided for my job, for where I want to live, for the, for the path that I've mapped out for my kids... And all the classes they're going to take and all the activities they're going to be involved in and all the amazing things that they're going to do, I've already got it mapped out. I know where my kids are going to be when they're 40 years old because I've already worked it all out. Maybe God's got a different plan. No, 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 no. He can't have a different plan. And even if he does, I'm not going to do it because I've already decided what it's going to be. I don't want to do it because I don't think I can. I don't want to do it because it's going to be uncomfortable. I don't want to do it because it's not... My plans. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, folks, is, is just recognizing those times where we just, we just don't, want to do, we don't want to do what God calls us to do. And to remind you again what we talked about a few weeks ago, we were talking about Balaam. There were two action steps that morning I want to remind you of. 
when it comes to God's will and God's direction, God's purpose in our lives. And the first thing that, that we said we're called to do is to see it, to recognize it, to see where God is leading us, to see what it is that he's calling us to do and who it is that he's calling us to interact with. And the second thing is to surrender to it. And to say, okay, I see it. I see where you're leading me, God. I see the direction that, that you want me to go. I see the path you want me to be on. And I might have other plans in mind. I might have other things I want to do, but I'm going to surrender to your will. I'm going to go the direction that you want to go. And maybe it's not a direction I've ever been before. And maybe it's uncomfortable. And maybe it's going to be difficult. And maybe I don't even know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to surrender to it. But what if I struggle with actually wanting to do that? What if I know I need to see it and maybe I can see it and, and I know I'm supposed to surrender to it, but man, I just don't want to. Give me a few more minutes because that's what I really want to hit on for just a couple more minutes this morning. What do I do when I don't want to do what God is calling me to do? And I think in those moments, in those times, I need to remind myself of some truths about God and about his will. So I would encourage you, write these down, take a screenshot of it when it's up on the screen, and come back to it often. Maybe even share some of this with some other people who are wrestling with, what it, with not just knowing what God wants to do, but actually following through and doing it. Here's the first truth that I need to, that I need to remember and need to stay mindful of. The first truth is this, God will empower me to do this. God will empower me to do this. Whatever it is, God's going to give me the ability to do it. Whatever it is that he's leading me to do, he's going to actually give me the ability to do. If you go to the book of Luke, Jesus in, in, in Luke chapter 9 has already been preaching and performing miracles. He's got a, lot, a large crowds following him. He's healed people that people didn't think could be healed. He's done some amazing things. And in Luke chapter 9, beginning verse 1, it says, When he had called the twelve, he, he had these twelve followers uh, that were known as the twelve or the apostles. He called them together and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Look at what Jesus said. Here's the direction that I want you guys to go. You guys have been watching me. I have been casting out demons and I have been healing the sick and I have been preaching. And now I'm going to send you out to do that. And you're going to do what I've been leading you to do. You're going to go the direction that I'm calling you to go. And I want you to go cast out demons. I want you to heal the sick. And I want you to perform miracles. And I want, I want you to preach. But here's the key thing. He didn't just say, hey, go out there and give a shot. See what happens. Good luck. What did, what did he do first? He calls the 12 together and he gave them power and authority. Before he ever sent them to go do the things he was calling them to do, he gave them the ability to do it. Do you see that? Because that's what our God does. And there are times when God is calling us and leading us in different, in, in, in difficult, maybe awkward places. And I, I just believe with all of my heart that when God calls us and leads us to do something that may be challenging for us, but it's for sure the direction that he's calling us to go, no matter how difficult it is, he's going to give us the ability to do it before he ever sends us in the first place. So go do it. Remember that. God's going to empower 
you to do whatever it is that he's calling you to do. He's going to give you the ability to do that ahead of time. So make that phone call to that person that you need to call. Go get coffee with them. Have that conversation. Go volunteer to teach. Go volunteer in the children's ministry. Volunteer to host a, a connection group at your house. Go out in the lobby today. Before you, Don't even get out of the lobby. Go across the, the row this morning and greet somebody that you don't know. Make them feel welcome while they're here. Go give more. Give to a certain ministry. Go give to a charity. Go on a, on a, on a mission trip. Go chaperone a teen trip. Whatever the addiction, the habit is that's causing a problem in your life, figure out how to let go of it. And maybe go get some help in the process. Change an attitude. Stop holding the grudge. Choose joy. Choose peace. Choose confidence. Whatever it is, God is going to give you the ability to do it first. So go do it. God will empower me to do whatever it is that he's calling me to do. Number two, God will reward my uncomfortableness. It may be awkward, and it may be uncomfortable, and it may stretch me, but God is going to bless me through it. And he may use me to bless somebody else because of it. He's going to bless my uncomfortableness. It may be difficult for me to change that habit. It may be uncomfortable for me to have that conversation with that person who's going through something that I've struggled with and I know I can help, or just to even have that conversation with somebody that I've had a hard time forgiving, but I know I need to have that conversation with them and let it go. And it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and weird, but I need to do it. It's going to be uncomfortable for, I, I, I feel weird inviting somebody to church or to, to my connection group, but I, but I know that's who God keeps putting in front of me to offer that invitation to, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to give five more dollars than I usually do, and it might mean that for one day I don't get the donut of Krispy Kreme, but I'll do it. It's going to stretch me a little bit. It's going to make me a little uncomfortable, but God's going to reward it. God's going to bless me. God's going to bless whatever action I'm taking. God's going to bless that person because I'm choosing to go the direction that God's leading me. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. When you've done the will of God, when you've gone the direction that God has called you to go, persevere through it. Is it difficult? Is it is it Awkward? Is it hard? Is it uncomfortable? Okay, persevere through it. Why? Because God's going to reward it. He's going to give you what He's promised. What has He promised? My God has all sorts of promises for us. He offers grace and mercy and hope. He offers brand new starts. He offers courage. He offers peace. He offers to meet my needs. He offers His presence that He will never leave me or forsake me. There's some amazing things that God offers, and He'll reward whatever uncomfortable action I have to take if it's the direction that he's leading me to go. It might stretch me, but it's worth the stretch. I wish I had time this morning to show you the video of a guy named, this is going to be a struggle for me, Eric Musambani. Eric Musambani was from Equatorial Guinea and was a swimmer from Equatorial Guinea in the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games. And those particular Olympic Games, uh, the, the Olympic Committee decided they wanted to try to encourage some developing countries and third world countries to get into some more sports. And so they, they offered kind of what they call a wild card. They offered an entrance into the Olympic Games without having to qualify for it ahead of time to certain sports 
uh, in these developing countries. So Eric got offered the, abil- the opportunity to swim 100 meters in the Olympic Games. Never swam before in his life. He said he went out, you know, he tells the story. He said he went out to some fishermen and, and went out in the water and they, they taught him how to, how to tread water and how to, how to kick his legs and move his arms. And there was a hotel uh, close to where he lived and that hotel let him train in their pool. And you see pictures of this pool. We had nicer pools in our backyards in this, this pool of this hotel. And, and it was only 13 meters. He's swimming 100 meters. He goes to the Olympic Games, and the first time that he saw the pool for the Olympic Games, he had never seen a pool that big before. It was almost three times what he had trained in. It was 50 meters across, and then he's seen all these, all these swimmers training. His, his training time was the same time as the American swimmers, and he's watching them, and he's like, oh, man. And he just jumps in the water and starts kicking his arms and legs, and some people thought it was a joke. And then he had other coaches that came up to him like, okay, here's how you move your arms. And they were actually teaching him how to swim. And then the day comes. It's time for him to, to swim the 100 meters. And, of course, he's in the lowest heat, and they go first. And so uh, he and two other guys get on the platform and get, get ready to dive. He's never swam, 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 swam that far before in his life at one time. And the two other swimmers jumped in the water before the gun went off disqualified so he steps off you can watch the video he steps off like I don't know what to do right now and they're like all right go swim and so he gets up and they sound the the buzzer the gun and he jumps in the water and he swims the whole hundred meters down and back by himself and he is slow as Christmas as far as swimmers go and he's kicking and he's you know doing his arms as as, as much as he can and he gets to the, to the end of the pool, and he's like, oh. I mean, he talks about it. He's like, I spent all my energy going one direction. Now i got to go all the way back. And he's, he, his legs start cramping. He says about halfway through on the way back, he couldn't even feel his legs anymore. But he's swimming as hard as he can. And, the, and, and if you watch it, the crowd starts going crazy. And everybody's cheering for him. And he's, he's just inching along. And he finally gets to the end, and he finishes. And he's like, you know, everybody's clapping. He's like, I just want to get out of the water. He's like, I went back to my room. I slept for four hours. I was exhausted. But the whole crowd was watching and cheering for him. And it was awkward to not know how to swim and suddenly be put on display in front of millions of people by himself. But he did it. When he woke up, the entire press corps of the Olympic Village was looking for Eric. They wanted to talk to him. And he became this inspirational story. And, he, and, he, and he's used that platform to, to help you know, in his own country and to, to help uh, people get some confidence about some things that, that they're struggling with. He used the opportunity to struggle through something obviously uncomfortable and difficult. And he pressed through it, and by the way, he finished, I wrote down his time, it was a minute 52, he finished in 71st place. They even told him, don't come back for the, like, I know you won your heat, don't come back anymore. We, we, you're, you're not even going to be close. And he's like, fine, you know. But he did it, and he was, re- he was rewarded for it. With a gold medal? No. Something even better. He got the opportunity to affect people's lives because he took on a difficult challenge. Folks? God will reward 
our uncomfortableness. God will reward it when we pursue through something that stretches us and is difficult for us. God will give something good to us or use us to do something good for somebody else on the other side of it. Very quickly, the, the other truth that we need to know is that God's plans are always better than mine. God's plans are better than mine. And it's not that my plans are necessarily bad. But God's are always better. When I, um, I've told this church family before, about years ago when, when our oldest son was about six months old and we got bumped on a flight uh, from coach to first class. My plans, you know, I had my tickets. We were going to fly coach and suffer through and make everybody deal with a crying baby, um, you know, back in coach. And the guy who was a Harding graduate and saw my Harding hat took our tickets and bumped us up into first class. His plans were a lot better than mine. And while I'm sitting in first class, I'm hitting every button and I'm getting multiple Dr. Peppers because it was glass. It wasn't plastic cups, it was glass cups. And it was just amazing. It was this whole experience. His plans for me and Christy was better than my plans were. And we benefited from it. God's plans are so much better than ours. He's, he tells his people in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. God just sees things on a different level. God is on a different level. And he sees things that I can't. He knows things that I don't. And, and, and yet... I find myself, even though, I, even though I read this and I even believe it, that God has plans that are better than mine, that are higher than mine, that are bigger than mine, that are going to bless me more than I can figure out how to do for myself. They're going to use me to bless other people in ways that I haven't even realized. Even though know I know that, logically I know that to be true, I still find myself just being dismissive and going, no, 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 I like my plan better. I'm going to stick with what I want to do. I need to remind myself, we need to remind ourselves, God's plans are better than ours. And if we'll see his will and surrender to it, he's going to empower us to do what he's called us to do. He's going to bless our uncomfortableness. And he's going to help us see how his plans were better in the first place. I need to wrap up this morning. I want to show you, I had another story to tell, but I'm out of time. I want to show you <laughs> a verse that I... I'll be honest, if I, knew, if I knew this before this week when I was preparing for this lesson, I forgot it. I'm assuming I just never paid attention to it before. It's in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It's a verse that I've shared with you multiple times, maybe even fairly recently. But there's something that I, that I just didn't pay attention to in this verse before, before this lesson. I want to wrap up by showing you this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And every time that I've, that I've looked at this verse, every time I use this verse, talking to you guys back in my youth ministry days, talking to teenagers, I always focus on either the, the cloud of witnesses, the people who have gone before us, who have done amazing things by faith, and they're cheering us on, and I believe that's true. And I've looked at, I've, I've talked about the things that, that entangle us and maybe that's stress maybe that's fear I mean he even mentioned sin there's addictions and habits that keep me from being the person that God called me has called me to be and, and going the direction that he's called me to go I need to get rid of that I need to I need to get untangled from that I need to turn loose from that I've focused on all those things before I've even I've even 
Focus on the perseverance that it's going to take a while. It's going to take some effort, and I'm going to have to persevere through some things. But you know what I missed for the longest time? And again, maybe I knew it and just forgot, but I paid. I really believe, I really believe God pointed this out to me this week. It's the very end of this verse. Run with perseverance, the race, what? Marked out for us. God has a direction and a will and a purpose for your life. Don't doubt that. First of all, don't doubt that my God doesn't, don't doubt that he knows you personally. He knows everything about you, and he loves you anyway. And don't doubt that with everything that God knows about you, that he has a will for you, that he has a direction, a path for you to go on, that he has some amazing things for you to do. Don't doubt that. Because that's what the author of Hebrews says. The race is already marked out. God's got a direction and a purpose for us to go. So run. Go. Get moving. Throw off the sin. Throw off the habits. Throw off the attitudes. Throw off the the statement that that makes me say, God, I don't want to do this. And say, God, okay, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to. Because I see where you're leading me. And that's the direction that I want to go. What kind, of, what kind of fathers will we be if we surrender to God's will for how we lead our families? What kind of wives and mothers will we be if every day we say, God, show me the direction you want me to go. Show me the direction you want my kids to go, but your kids first. What kind of friends will we be to those who need us and need our friendship and our connection? If we say, God, there's some awkward conversations that I've got to have. There's some things that, that I know you're calling me to, and I'd, I'd rather go this direction. I'd rather be at this ball game. I'd rather binge this on Netflix, but I'm going to go spend some time with that person because that's where you're leading me. What kind of community will we be living in if every single one of us said, God, show me today how I can bless somebody else. How I can use the talents and gifts and opportunities you've given me to go be a blessing to somebody else. It's not wrong to have an honest conversation with God and say, God, I really don't want to do this. The problem comes when that that's a reflection of our actions as well. When I don't do it, when I don't do what God's leading me to do, because I just don't want to. So let's start running the race marked out for us. We're going to sing a song. We're going to stand together in just a second as we sing it, and it's a, it's a commitment. It's a, it's a, it's a committed statement. I'm not going to be the same anymore. I'm not going to keep going down the paths that I always go down. I'm going to look for God's direction. I'm going to go the direction that he's calling me. And as we sing that song, there's something, there's something in your life that you recognize this morning needs to be different. Whether, whether it's your own, just your own relationship with God. If you've never become a child of God, then let's, let's not be the same anymore.
Let's change that today. If you used to have a connection with God, and for whatever reason, whatever multiple reasons there are, you've walked away from that. Let's not be the same anymore. Let's, let's go the direction God's leading us. Let's reconnect with him today. If there's something in your workplace, if there's something in your family, and you recognize God is calling me to do something different than what I've been doing in the past, let's not be the same anymore. Let's let God start changing today. And if there's some way that this church family can help, we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing. Just share that with us. Say, this is what's on my heart. This is what needs to change. I need help. And we will surround you with love and help with everything we can to get you running the race that God's marked out for you. Can we help? We want to. While together we stand and sing. I will never be the same again. I've never returned. I've closed the door. I've walked the path. I'll run the race. And I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. I can never return. I
Good? There we go. All right. So uh, this morning, as I said, um, we're going to be taking a few minutes here at the end of our worship to celebrate our school kids. And first of all, our first graders that are going to be going uh, into first grade, going to be learning to to read. We're going to give Bibles to them this morning. So we're going to do that right now. Um, And I know there's a couple of these kids, uh, at least, that are not going to be here uh, this morning, and that's okay. Um, We'll get your Bibles to you. Uh, And hopefully you're watching online so you can uh, be celebrating with us. Um, But also, I'm going to go through this list and and name the kids and their parents. I'm only going to give you what's been given to us. And so uh, if if you have a first grader here this morning and we we didn't get that ahead of time, didn't get their name, we are going to, uh, we'll get that fixed. So come find us as soon as we're done. And we've got extra Bibles that we can give to all of our first graders. And so we're going to take care of that this morning. Okay. Uh, And we got... All of our little ones coming in right now. So as far as I know, Miss Stephanie, you're going to hand these Bibles out when I call names, right? Okay. So here we go. Now our first graders, when you hear your name called, you come get your Bible, and then I need you to walk up these steps and come up on stage so we can see you up here, okay? And we will have a time for any parents to get closer and get pictures um, if you want to. Okay. First of all, uh, Ryder Kyle, the son of Chris and Anita Kyle. Alexandria Ramirez, the daughter of Gustavo and Angela Ramirez. Stand right there. Good job. Joshua Martinez, the son of Clarissa Martinez. Remington Brightwell, the son of David and Jill Brightwell. Seth Dykstra, the son of Austin and Emily Dykstra. Sawyer Quarter, the son of Zach and Abby Quarter. And Angie Mendoza, the daughter of Sarah Mendoza. And that's all the first graders I got. Is that right? As far as we know. Okay. If we missed you, come find us. We'll, we'll, um, we'll get that remedied for you. Okay. Any parents who want to get a little closer if you want to, you're welcome to walk up and, and take a picture of our, of our first graders uh, if you want to. Let's give one more hand to all of our, all of our first graders. Okay, y'all are going to stay here. Y'all just keep smiling for your pictures. Now, we need all of our kindergarten through sixth grade. Kindergarten through sixth grade. Come up on the stage with us on both sides of the stage, please. Y'all just come up. Come on up, wherever you are. Y'all come on this side of me, too. Y'all just kind of spread out right here. I know, it's really bright. Those are really bright lights. Trust me, I know. Okay. So these are all of our elementary, and I guess depending on what school system you're in, uh, middle school kids, too. Our, our kindergarten through sixth grade. Let's give them a hand. Excited for school year. Now all of our teens, 7th through 12th grade. 7th through 12th grade, come on up. File in behind these guys, please. Come on up. Even if you're a guest with us today, come on up on stage. 7th through 12th grade, come on up. 
It's uh, teenagers always get as far back as they possibly can. So, um, isn't it awesome to have this many kids as part of our church family? Isn't that great? It's so cool. We want we want to bless them for this school year. Uh, Jeremy Stobal, one of our shepherds, is going to come up and pray over them. Uh, and I would invite all of you uh, to not just let today be the only time we pray for these kids. Let's, let's be praying for them all during the school year. Uh, that God will bless them with safety uh, and good health, but that God will also use them uh, to bless other people. So, Jeremy, if you'll lead us in prayer, please. Let me get this way. Wow, this is a lot of young people. If you would all please bow with me. I'm going to pray, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our youth here, these children that bring so much joy and pride to their, to their families. And Father, we believe to you as well. For those that are attending, that are beginning to attend schools here in the near future, many this week, Father, we ask that you remove any fears they may have, give them peace and and excitement for what's to come. And we ask that you protect their hearts and their minds as they enter into to their schools and engage with friends and meet new friends. We ask that you give them courage to be shining lights to those around them. Thank you to our, for our school teachers and our administrators, those who devote so much time, so much of their time and energy to the development of our children. We ask that you give them energy and enthusiasm and give, the, and give wisdom to those who make decisions about the safety and well-being of our students and teachers. Father, I also pray for those who are beginning their schools uh, in their home schools, in their co-ops, uh, that they will have patience with one another and an excitement and passion for learning throughout. As we begin our new classes here at Flagstone, we, we once again thank you for this amazing new facility that gives us the space and amenities that we need to serve this church family and, and the community as well. And we know that your hand's been a part of this development and this church family from the very beginning. We're so thankful for that. Father, we thank you for those who commit themselves to teaching here at Flagstone. Give them wisdom and guide them as they prepare and present a message from your word for those of us to, to grow and develop here in this body. Thank you for Monty and Christy and Brandon and Stephanie, Scott, Andrea, Kevin, and, and all the others who have worked so diligently to, to put together our class, our classes and our plan for this fall, and may you continue to give them uh, energy and guide them as they continue their works here. Father, we pray for this whole congregation that we may uh, continue to love and support one another and especially to find ways to love and support these young people here so that we can continue to influence them and their walk with you as they develop into um, responsible young adults. Father, as we, uh, as we break here in the service, we, we ask that you bless this meal that we'll partake here soon and, and this time that we have to fellowship with one another. And most of all, Father, we're thankful for Jesus and the promise of, of eternal life with you in heaven one of these days. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, y'all can go sit back down. Let's have one more round of applause for all of our students. Y'all might need to wave your hands and let them know where you're at. Y'all go find moms and dads if you can.
Or go back. I don't know. We didn't work that out. Maybe they're going to go back. Okay. Thank you very much. What a great group of kids. I did offer to say the final prayer, but Jeremy was quick to say that he'd handle it. And I just want to point out that was the exact prayer I was going to do. So this afternoon, we're going to have a lunch all together with some fellowship time, uh, and we do have some bouncy houses outside for the kids. We're really excited to get back to doing these family events. Uh, it is going to be a little bit different this time because we have brought in, uh, catered in some box lunches. Um, there's about a third of them are from Moe's Southwest Grill, so it's a chicken burrito. Another third is from Dickie's, and then another third is from Quiznos, a sandwich. Quiznos isn't here yet, so Andrea told me to uh, try to delay a little bit. I guess we should have done Jimmy John's or something on, on, uh, on that. Anyway, so how it's going to work is we're going to have one more song, and then um, you can line up going past the bathrooms into the kitchen. There'll be the box lunches. There's drinks and coolers after the lunches. The kids, for the kids, we've got um, the uh, Uncrustables and some chips and a little, bit of, a little bit of dessert for them. Then all the tables and chairs are set up in the old worship center, and then the bouncy houses are outside to enjoy after that. Uh, so you can do that right after the song, and I believe that is all the announcements I have. So turn it over to you. Hey, everybody. Skit Guys here. My name's Tommy, and... My name's Eddie. How's it going, everybody? Hey, uh, well, yeah, this is Eddie. Uh, we just wanted to tell you it's back, back to school. Back to school time, everybody. Back to school time. Is everybody ready? I'm back to school. Yep, yep. I got my new... Backpack for back to school, and you've Lame. got a, an old, um, <laughs> no. an old, what is that? What I got is a uh, hipster fanny pack right here, right here. This is what all the cool kids are going to be doing, taking their, taking their stuff on their hip to school. Buddy, that's a lunchbox. No, it's not. Yeah, I got my, got my pencils in here, my lunch money's right here. I haven't got a place for my hipster spoon. Nope, that, Boom. that's a spoon because that's a, that's a lunchbox. Oh, <laughs> nay, nay, nay. Look, oh, someone calling me? Hello? Bam, it's gone. Boom. Shut in my fanny pack, hipster lunch pail. So, welcome back to school. Welcome God. back to school, folks. It's going to be awesome. Completely awesome. Yeah. Hey, if you have one of those, don't wear that. You're going to. Wear it. You're going to get beat up. Cool kids. Not cool. All day long. Not cool at all. Hashtag all day long. He's going to get beat up. Hashtag all day long. All right, let's stand for one more song. Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of your darkness shining. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine. Grace and mercy send forth your word. 
Shalom.